You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. The Living Legends Foundation presents Music Day, a verified hit. Welcome to Music Day, a verified hit. I'm your host, Monique Kelly, and I am so excited to be here today as usual because we have a legend today. And when I was going through our guest's illustrious career, it occurred to me that his path has been ordered. Every position he has been in up to this point has led him to this one-of-a-kind hip-hop museum and soon its reverberating impact. Today we have Rocky Bucano, and a lot of times when you've done so much in your career, it's nice to sit back and just take a walk down memory lane. So before we start, I'm gonna take a walk down Rocky's memory lane. Um, you are a part of the origin of hip hop culture, starting as a DJ in the Bronx, Rock and his come off crew. You were the official DJ of the Stardust Club and the DJ for summer jams in the parks for thousands jamming with Grandmaster Flash and Lovebug Starsky. Then you became a club impresario, um, which is developing party promotions experience. You wanted a radio gig like Frankie Crocker, your friend and inspiration, and you got a gig as a TV engineer, moved to Houston, and you, spin, you spun on the side, spreading the New York DJ style to Texas, growing your media skills and spreading the hip hop style. And then you returned to New York City as tech director of WWOR-TV while continuing and furthering your club and concert promotion biz. Then you established your own record label, Strong City Records in 1987, making those legitimate record label experience. You leave that in 91 and establish Third Rail, a national street team coalition that breaks out rap records from primarily mixed show airplay to mainstream radio. Then in 1992, now we're 92, you brought back into the labels as general manager of LA Reads and Dallas Austin's LaFace Rowdy Records. You leave there for another iconic producer's label, Teddy Riley's New Jack. But the plot is not finished yet. You move back to TV and development of a broadband music network for Optimum Cable. And then in 2001, you leave music and you use your leadership skills to be executive director of New York Gacho's youth basketball program for 13 years, helping boys and girls earn athletic scholarships to top universities. And then you founded in 2014 Universal Hip Hop Museum, and it was chartered by the New York State Department of Education and the Third Regents. A massive fear, and the museum is not just a museum, but an anchor of the Bronx Point Rebirth, a part of the permanent affordable housing and mixed use. Looking backwards, your entire career appears to be a setup 
a collaboration with the universe, a conspiracy to bring you right here as ringmaster with all the talent and skills needed for this massive undertaking, the Universal Hip Hop Museum, which opens in 2024. From your authentic connection as a DJ and music executive, to your mixed media skills, to your record label years, to your youth leadership experience, what a setup. It all speaks to why and where you are today. Welcome to the show, Rocky. Glad to be here, Monique. Wow, what a way to to get introduced. I appreciate that. Oh, you've earned every single accolade. And I noticed looking in the background, you're not just in an office. I see platinum albums. I see memorabilia. Where are you right now? I'm in what's called the Revolution of Hip Hop, which is a sneak preview of our future home, which is under construction and will open at the end of 2024. So this temporary space is like our pop-up. I love that you're already in the nuts and bolts of it. So before we dig in deep, I first have to ask you, what inspired you to start the Hip Hop Museum, the Universal Hip Hop Museum? The idea really came when I was running the uh, New York Gauchos basketball program. Um, I was introduced to a real estate opportunity to expand the Gauchos basketball gymnasium and program to another section of the Bronx. And through that opportunity, I was introduced to a Korean real estate developer who wanted to add a music component to his proposal to take over the Kingsbridge Armory. And when he came to me and asked for my ideas about what type of music component he should add, the first thing that came to my mind was you should build a hip hop museum. And there have been several different attempts to establish a permanent home for hip hop, even before my project. And for whatever reasons, those projects never really got off the ground. So I just said to myself, you know, this is something that is important. I know how, you know, through my years in the recording industry and years after the recording industry, hip hop just continued to become more and more popular. So I wanted to make sure that if there was any music related projects being built in the Bronx, that it should represent some sort of shrine or cultural institution to celebrate and preserve hip hop history. So a hip hop museum was the first thing that came to mind. I love that. I love it. And as you are well aware, this year is the 50th anniversary of hip hop and the Universal Hip Hop Museum is slated to open in 2024. Is that a coincidence that it all is just merging so perfectly together or was this planned out this way? Um, you know, God is good. You know, God, God is good. And, you know, this project that started, you know, as you said, back in 2014 and actually even before that um, was, you know, was really just a dream and to see you know, that all the energy and all the work that not just myself, but many other people have put into this project to get it to where it is today. And just so, you know, just coincidentally, it's it's coming, you know, right after the 50th anniversary of hip hop. And, you know, so the universe has a, 
a very unique way of bringing all the right resources to, together at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely serendipitous, as we say, you know, so it's not a, it's not a coincidence. There's no such thing as a coincidence, as I love to say. So as a museum, what years approximately will the collection focus on and will, will, will you do collections to tie in the present as well? So we are basically going to curate the entire history of hip hop from where it started to where it is today. The past, the present, and even looking towards the future. You know, we, hip hop is a living, breathing culture, and it continues to make history each and every day. It's the one and only music genre and an art form that continues, continuously evolves and adapts to the current time period. So, you know, we, a museum that represents this culture has to be fluid. It has to be able to adapt and change. It can't be stagnant and old. It has to be innovative and fresh. And, and that's, that's the vision for the Universal Hip Hop Museum. And just out of curiosity, how do you go about getting the memorabilia and the artifacts? How do, where do you start? Who do you go to? I go to people like you, Malik, <laughs> and say, what do you have in your closet? <laughs> oh, that might be scary, Rocky. That might be scary. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, truthfully, we go to anybody and everybody. You know, we, we have some great curators, uh, Paradise Gray from the group X-Clan and Prime Minister Pete Nice from the group Third, Third Base. Those are our two curators. They themselves have an amazing collection of artifacts and memorabilia. We have a television show that's going to air on A&E. Uh, can't tell you too much about it because it's, I've been embargoed, but it's a show called Hip Hop Treasures, and it's all about scouring the universe to find hip hop's rarest treasures. Oh, wow. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so it, yep, and, and, and it's, and it's all because we want to make sure when the museum opens that it has the best, the most important, the most significant artifacts and memorabilia to make sure that we are documenting and celebrating the history in the most important and authentic kind of way. And so far, what is the most prized possession that has been donated to museum? We got large collections of Source magazines, Vibe magazines. We had a bicycle that was just recently donated to us by uh, from Coolio, Ooh. right before he passed away. Rest in peace, Coolio. We have Slick Rick's throne. What? That he took the tour with him all around the world. We have jackets from Dapper Dan, you know, who was a, you know, who is a Harlem fashion designer that is known for, you know, making his own designs out of luxury brand uh, copyrights, you know, like Fendi and Polo and Gucci and, and shout out to Dapper Dan. And, you know, we have equipment and recording studio equipment and out, I mean, on and on and on. We got so much stuff. We have a huge warehouse where we archive and, and store all of our donated materials and Anyone that's watching this, go in your closet, look underneath your bed. You may have a concert ticket. You may have somebody, a shirt that LL Cool J signed. 
you know, we're looking for all types of historical artifacts. Is there any decade in hip hip hop history that really resonates with you that you want to put a lot of energy into the museum? You know, every era of hip hop, not just the music, you know, because hip hop, you know, we got to make sure that people understand that hip hop is a culture and, 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 the, and the rap music is just one piece of it. You know, there's the graffiti, there's the dance, the B-boys and the B-girls, you know, there's obviously the spoken word and there's DJs, there's the fashion element. So there's so many stories just in between each of those different elements that have to be celebrated. There's the people who work behind the scene, like my friend, you know, Jackie Reinhardt and Pat Shields and their contribution to the evolution. There's the radio broadcasters. There's the mom and pop stores. You know, I mean, I could go on and on and on. So, you know, it's, it's each era has a very significant, the first era, the first commercialization of rap records with Sylvia Robinson and the Sugar Hill Records. And then after that, you know, Def Jam and all the other independents that came in following them. And then the first big commercial films, Beat Street and Wild Style that, that allowed people to see what the culture was truly all about all around the world. And then the big tours, you know, Raising Hell and all the, you know, hip hop concert tours that went from being in small clubs, then to 2,000 seat venues, and then to 18,000 seat venues. So, you know, each era really has something. And, you know, I, I even, you know, you know, I know people may shoot me, but I even like what some of the, you know, some of the stuff that I'm hearing today. So it, 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 it's a continuum that was created by youth and it continues to evolve. So each era has some significant things that happen. You know, you have the whole bling era with <laughs> Bad Boy and, you know, and his whole cast of characters. Shout <laughs> out P. Diddy. You know, so, you know, it, it's, it's amazing to watch. If you studied it and you watch it, I mean, every little layer is so, so beautiful just to see how it all evolved. Now, it's interesting that you said that some people may kill you because you mentioned the newer artists. So, you know, thinking about the Grammys and the performances of the show this year, how are the younger rappers being educated regarding the respect of the OG rappers? What is your, what is your thought on that? I think they need more <laughs> education, first and foremost. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, listen, Kendrick Lamar is a student of the culture. You know, he pays homage to the people that came before him. And so does J. Cole. And I think a lot of the other artists that are out there are learning that, you know, listen, you know, it's not just about getting that bag. It's about how do you create legacy and how do you create a lasting career? You know, if you look at LL Cool J and and Ice-T and Ice Cube and Snoop Dogg and Eminem and Queen Latifah. And they created classic songs that will last a lifetime. 
And, you know, these artists today must understand that it's not about just the now, it's about 10 years from now, 15 years from now. Will your music still be relevant 20 years from now? Will your art still be relevant 40 years from now? You know, a, a lot of the graffiti artists that were called vandals back in the day, you know, for writing, you know, and painting on trains now have amazing art in galleries all around wow. the world. So, you know, it's it's that kind of legacy that you want. You don't you don't want to have something that's here today going tomorrow. That's what they thought hip hop right. would be. And we and we've proved them wrong that it's not going anywhere. So it's amazing to see how the culture continues to shape and mold and create new new content. And speaking of some of those icons and those legends, tell us about some stories that made hip hop legendary that you know of. We won't tell anybody, so you can tell us anything. Well, you know, <laughs> obviously the first story, you know, Cool Herc's party, August 11, 1973, in a small little rec center here in the Bronx, the first official party that people label the starting point for hip hop. Um, I think, you know, the the Run DMC, Beastie Boys, uh, Madison Square Garden show, mm -hmm. when Run DMC said to the crowd, you got your Adidas on, put them in the air, you know. To, yes. you know, you know, so that was a monumental moment because soon thereafter, you know, obviously, you know, they got their first big uh, commercial endorsement from Adidas. And then sadly, obviously, the tragic loss of Biggie and yeah. Tupac, yeah. you know, um, you know, those are moments that, you know, are, you know, tragic uh, because we lost two amazing icons of the culture uh, but it's also part of history it's a it's a sad part of history that also has has to be told we're not just going to be telling the happy right. stories we have also have to tell the sad stories as well you know speaking of biggie and tupac i always have these conversations with friends of mine how do you think the music hip-hop the landscape would have changed had those two tragedies not happened so i, I don't want to get into a whole debate about radio on, on your podcast, <laughs> okay. but, you know, you know, the consciousness of hip hop has disappeared from radio. And, you know, we, we really do need to address that. You know, I'm very good friends with the people who own Hot 97 and WBLS here in New York City. We have a classic hip hop station, The Block. I'm good friends with uh, Skip Dillard, who's programming the block here in New York. Um, also good friends with the people at iHeartMedia. And, you know, we got to make sure that we're not just, f you know, filling the airways with stuff that we don't want our kids to listen to. You know, we, we want to make sure that they get some real education, real information like public yes. enemy. Even though NWA was talking about things in a very gangster type of hip-hop way, they still had a real strong they sure message did. in yep. their music. Right? You know, so Ice-T, another one. You know, uh, Queen Latifah. You know, I could go on and on. The Fugees, Lauryn Hill. 
we we got we got to go back to making sure that the music has some substance in it, and hopefully the people who are running today's music labels understand right. that. And speaking of which, just talking about the female MCs, why do you think female MCs were given such a hard time when they have been around almost the exact same time as the men? Um, that's a hard one for okay. me to answer. Uh, but, but I will tell you this. Um, women in general, not just hip-hop artists, have too long been have gone too long and been unrecognized for their contributions yes. to anything forget just music education uh science medical fields actresses you know um lawyers you know uh armed armed forces you know we have many women in the armed forces that you don't hear about you know we have women that work for nasa that you don't hear about you know, that are working as engineers, uh, you know, and that's just something that we got to do more. We got to do better with in terms of making sure that women in any field, whether it's music, sports, entertainment, education, whatever, are, are held on the same pedestal as men so that they get their equal share and equal equal recognition. And shout out to Latifah, Moni Love and Queen Latifah and, and MC Light and and all the other females out there, Missy Elliott. Okay, I love it. And I love how you've kind of provided the landscape of hip hop. So I wanna talk to you more about the actual Universal Hip Hop Museum. Um, so I read that New York City has really embraced the museum with the, uh, the museum with the city and federal funding. And the site that was selected will have the museum and affordable housing and a waterfront location. So talk about transforming Bronx to a point, to a cultural destination point. Uh, so I'm a lifelong resident of the Bronx. I've seen the Bronx go through a complete transformation. We were just, I just spoke at another um, engagement right before this. And it was all about, you know, the Bronx is a brand. Yes, the Bronx is a brand, but that brand has a stigma attached to it of burning buildings and, you know, desolate neighborhoods. It's no longer that. It, it's becoming a destination now. So we are rebranding the Bronx now as a place where global tourism will be uh, a focal point. You know, the Universal Hip Hop Museum is going to be a global destination and one of New York City's most important cultural institutions when we open in 2024. So, you know, it's exciting to have this museum getting ready to open in the Bronx where hip hop originated so that people can enjoy the Bronx. When they come to the Bronx, we want them to not just come to the museum, we want them to go visit our small business owners, our restaurant owners, get to know the people that live here in the Bronx. We're not bad people, we're good people. And <laughs> great you know, people. And, and I know that you we are yes. great people. And we know that we know that the Universal Hip Hop Museum will play a big role in the economic development and the resurgence of the Bronx as a whole. I love that. I love that. and is there 
are, are there any future activations to branch out globally, whether it's satellite or getting other sites? Uh, another great question. <laughs> I try. So I try, we, Rocky. We, we are, <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're going to open up a traveling museum later this year. We are the official partners with Mayor Adams and his administration to celebrate hip hop 50 or 50 years of hip hop, whatever you want to call it. So we're producing all kinds of programs and projects and even concerts in partnership with the city of New York and our cultural partners. We're working with various cultural institutions like the Apollo Theater, Lincoln Center, the Billy Holiday Theater in Brooklyn and other uh, institutions here in New York City to celebrate 50 years of the city's contribution to the global evolution of hip hop. So we're, we're gonna be doing a lot. The traveling museum will open later this year and it, it will stay open until the museum opens in 2024. This space that I'm in will turn into an archive and research lab so that students can come in and learn about the culture. And, and then when the museum opens in 2024, our traveling museum will tour around the country, stopping in cities like Los Angeles, Atlanta, Miami, Chicago, and other oh, cities. Oh, that's going to be so good. That, that, those lines will be around the corner. I can already see that. And I love what you're saying about making Bronx kind of a destination point. Do you foresee having something similar to like the Met Gala at the Universal Hip Hop Museum? <laughs> yes. My, my guy Tito just said, tell her yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are actually planning uh, our first gala fundraiser that will be this August. And we want it to be like a Met Gala kind of thing. So I love that because you know the fashions. Nothing surpasses hip hop fashions. So that that's going to be a, a hot ticket for real, for real. Yeah, so, so just on that note, we just had a hip-hop fashion show called The Drip. It was for Black History Month, and it was at the Hard Rock Hotel here in Times Square in New York. And it was in partnership with Ralph McDaniels of Video Music Box. I'm yeah. sure you know who he is. And, you know, years ago, Ralph used to produce a show called Fat Fashion. And he gave all of the young urban designers like April Walker, Carl Kanai, Cross Colors, Fat Farm, Sean John, he gave all of them their first breaks. So we we came back and did the drip as a a tribute to that fat fashion show that Ralph used to produce. And we had the legacy brands, FUBU, Carl Kanai, Dapper Dan, April Walker, and we introduced four new designers at this amazing fashion show and it was beautiful Ooh, I love that. so fashion is fashion is an important part of hip-hop has always been an important part of will you have a special fashion section of the museum as well yeah i don't know if it's going to be like just a fashion section i think you know every exhibit has a fashion component to it whether you're talking about run dmc or those guys behind me eric b and rakim you know Everybody had swag, yes. <laughs> right? That's part of the culture, right? You know, so that swag was in attitude and language, but also in how we, you know, dressed and how we carried mm -hmm. ourselves. 
and that's the expression that the museum has to carry forward. Now, not advocating, but just curious, are you, are pop hip hop artists, for lack of a better word, are they going to be recognized such as like Young MC, MC Hammer, uh, Tone Loke, those types of artists, will they be recognized in the museum as well? We, we couldn't have a real hip hop museum if they were not included, you know. Hip hop is today's pop music. And those guys were at the forefront of creating the pop trend in hip hop. MC Hammer sold over 10 million albums. How could he not be included, right? Um, you know, so we want to make sure MC Hammer, Tone Lope, Young MC, you know, and others are included. You know, we, the, the pop side, you know, it's, it's not just about the urban side of the culture. It's, a, it's about hip hop is a global phenomenon that is loved by all nationalities, all ethnicities in every corner of the world. So we want to make sure that even our friends that are overseas in Africa, you know, the Afrobeat is yes. so huge now. They have to be part of it, right? Bad Bunny is a part of hip hop. He's got to be included, right? You know, so, you know, it's it's more than just what we hear on our urban stations, for sure. And has it been difficult or is it a challenge with some of the appropriations that have happened, trying to select which, you know, non-African-American hip hop artists to be included in it and the, Universal Hip Hop Museum. How do you, how do you make those decisions? Tough. I got the toughest I job. I know in the you world. do. You really do. <laughs> I, I got the toughest job, but you know it, it's done by committee, and you know we sit down and we talk with our curators, with our educational team, with our board, and we we kind of like say, well, this is the game plan on how we want to produce different mm -hmm. stories, and who, where do we want to start? Where does the story end? You know, how do we in, incorporate international artists into the storytelling? You know, so it, it's it's a big job. Yeah, it's a big job, but they have the right person doing it. And um, speaking of which, going back to you have the gala in August, um, which um, I might need to find a dress for that. Um, are there any other 2023 events that you have coming up? Many, okay. many. So. Um, on the 29th of this month, we're doing what's called the Queens of Hip Hop. It's a panel discussion, uh, a women's empowerment panel. And we have some amazing women that will be featured on that panel. Uh, and that will be at the Billy Holiday Theater in Bedside, okay. Brooklyn on March 29th. And then we're you know, doing a tribute to Biggie Smalls in May around his birthday, which is May 21st. And that will be announced soon. And we're doing a series of, you know, different concerts. We're in talks now with the Apollo Theater about doing a tribute to James Brown. He would have turned 90 years old Really? Hip-hop would not be hip-hop without James Brown. Absolutely. He's the most sampled artist ever. And so many artists have sampled James Brown. Um, so we're in talks with the Apollo about doing that type of show to honor the Godfather. So um, we are working with the city of New York and Mass Appeal on doing a really big concert at Yankee Stadium on hip hop's anniversary, August 11th. Uh, so we're just working through, you know, all that right now to confirm and, and solidify that. 
and you know a lot of small programs and events all throughout June for Black Music Month and July for the summer. I love that. And I love that you're having the women's panel at the Billy Holiday Theater. I know that was not uh that was not a, a that was not a coincidence as we like to say. <laughs> that that was not that, that was that was right, planned that, out. And thanks to my team Thanks for my team for picking that venue. And then what is the most challenging aspect of this undertaking? Because you're so cool, calm, collective. You make it sound and look so easy. But, I mean, this is a lot. So what's been the most challenging aspect for you? (laughs) Money. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I understand. I know sign language. It's all... It's all about the cream. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get it. And then what's the most rewarding? What's the most rewarding um, part of this whole process? Seeing people like that lady behind me, you know, enjoying herself, learning about the culture, mm-hmm. watching the little kids come in here with their parents, you know, looking at the different artifacts, some of them have never seen a boom box or a piece of vinyl. They don't know what a cassette tape is, you know? So it's it's just, you know, w- when you make that connection so that you can help to inform and inspire all different ages of people, because hip hop has so much influence and to see them, you know, really with smiles on their face every time they leave this building, it's, it's it really touches my heart. Wow. Well, it's definitely going to be a museum undertaking that's going to be legendary. It's going to be iconic. It's going to be huge. And again, like we said in the introduction, you know, every aspect of your career, of your life, of your love of hip hop has led you to this point. So congratulations uh, for the success. We cannot wait to see it in 2024. So Rocky, how can people donate to the Universal Hip Hop Museum? They can go to our website, uhhm.org slash donate and donate whatever you want. One dollar, ten dollars, a thousand dollars. It doesn't matter. All donations matter, large or small. And can you say the website one more time just to make sure people can write it down again? It's uhhm, like man, dot org slash donate. We're going to make sure people show you the money. Thank you so much for your time today, Rocky. It's been, it's been wonderful. Thank you, Monique. I appreciate it. For all of you all out there, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to Music Day, a verified hit. I'm your host, Monique Kelly, and thank you so much for joining us. Music Day, a verified hit. Associate producers Jackie Reinhardt, Varnell Johnson, Vivian Scott Chu, Mark Hill, Tony Winger, Sheila Eldridge, Pat Shields, Ken Johnson, and Shannon Henderson. This has been a Living Legends Foundation, Inc. production. Find out more about the Living Legends Foundation, Inc. or donate at livinglegendsfoundation.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.